Alright folks, we're back with another edition of the Red My Podcast. I'm your host, Evan, and this week's a bit different as my co-host Dustin is out in Vegas, and thankfully he's okay. I appreciate everybody who's checked in on him, uh, emails, texts, all that stuff. Uh, he wanted to know that. He appreciates all your thoughts. Uh, we'll join with Dave from Carter Finley here, and then later on I'm going to intro and add uh, Dave Skull, Louisville Insider, and a good friend of mine. And I apologize if the audio is awful. Dustin is usually our audio editor, so I'm doing what I can. Thanks for listening. Uh, this week we have Dave from Carter Finley. Y'all might know him on Twitter as at DFCF99. Dave Nichols, passionate Wolfpack fan, former baseball player, and highly requested guest host, even if it was only from Nick. He requested it a lot. So, Dave, thanks for joining us. Thanks for filling in for Dustin. Oh yeah! Uh, first, I want to thank uh, thank you, Evan and Dustin, for giving me the opportunity to to fill in. Uh, always kind of wanted to podcast, never uh, brave enough to take my own leap into it. So I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I was a, a former walk on uh, uh, back in the two thousand and two thousand one season. So, which with uh, Coach Avent. Um, and my only uh, goal today is uh, I hope to bring a solid B effort to the podcast. Uh, don't want to, don't want to uh, Wally Pip Dustin. So uh, that's uh, that's my only goal today. Well, a solid B effort is probably better than what I bring each week. So you're good. <laughs> oh, I, I will say when I said Dave's a passionate Wolfpack fan, I'm not going to understate this. I think you go to every road game. At least it seems like you go to every road game. Is that true? I used to. Uh, I had a stretch there. I started uh, a younger brother um, was a student manager his senior year. I started going to every game and uh, I had my streak up to 65 home and away. Uh, but then I had uh, my second kid and it was just a little too tough to leave the wife at home with, with two, two young kids. So uh, I stopped that, but it was a lot of fun. I still go to all the home games. I've only missed one home game since uh, my freshman year at state back in 1999 and that, that game, I still have regrets about it. It was uh, 2005, maybe, whichever year they added the extra game that wasn't part of the season ticket package. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the only game I've missed since 99. So uh, if there's a game in Carter Family, uh, I'll be there, Section 18. That's amazing. Speaking of dedication, the Pac-365 Challenge, where the hell did that come from, and are you going to make it? <laughs> well, I, I kind of wanted to do it last year and just never, never – did it, and then it was halfway through January. So uh, I just wanted to do something um, just to have some fun. I, I knew I had a lot of stuff. I, and <clears throat> I I was optimistic that I had enough for a year, but I was really just hoping to get through 4th of July. Uh, and as the year got going along, uh, I, found out, I found out I had a lot more stuff than I even realized. So uh, my main goal with it was just to have some fun. I, I was hoping it would catch on a little bit. Uh, some other Wolfpack fans would start tweeting out pictures of stuff that they had uh, so that I could see, you know, stuff that I wanted to get that I didn't have because there's a lot of old, cool old memorabilia um, that I'd like to get. And I, I, my wife knows this whenever she's out shopping or doing whatever. If she runs across some NC State, some old school NC State something, she knows to get it because if she comes home and she's like, oh, man, I just you'll, – you'll never believe what I saw today at – at, at this yard, a garage sale or whatever, and if she knows if she doesn't get it, she'll get uh, you know a, a little little bit from me. So um, it, it's just been I always like to 
fine, new and cool NC State stuff. And some of the stuff in the in the Pack 365 Challenge um, is just boring, you know, a T-shirt or a hat or whatever. And some of some of the stuff's cool. My my kids had a had a teacher at daycare um, whose husband re- uh, passed away earlier in the year. And she knew we were, you know, we were a big NC State family. So she sent me some really cool stuff. One of like the record I have, a uh, cool old poster from back in the Reynolds Coliseum days. Some stuff with '83 championships. So uh, I, I love the old old school stuff that you can't just go buy in the store. Um, and it's just been a lot of fun. Today's day 275. So there's 90 more to go. And I, over the weekend, I took some some pictures just to try to get ahead and I have 40 some 40 some odd pictures on my phone ready to go so uh and I have a ton of stuff for Christmas so I think I may make it through the year so uh, but it's been a lot of fun hope hope uh, people out there in the tw- in the Twitter sphere has have enjoyed it is that something you started or is that somebody was that the like Wolfpack sports marketing uh, I just came up with it I was trying to find a you know you've had the ice bucket challenge the uh uh, I don't know the robot, the mannequin challenge. I, yeah. There's been so many challenges. The dunk. I, I don't even know what the dunk one was, where you just run up and dunk on somebody's house as you're driving by. But I just thought I wanted to do a little something to, um, you know. So I just started up myself. No, it's fantastic. I, I think if people don't know what I'm talking about, every day Davis posted something, some sort of Wolfpack paraphernalia. The hashtag Pack365 challenge he's been doing every day for the year. Uh, is definitely worth checking out. You need some recognition if you get that done. That'd be uh, impressive. <laughs> I would just forget at some point. I'm just yeah, there's been a couple. There, I will admit, there's been maybe three or four days where you know, as I'm getting older, I and two young kids and working all day. I get home <laughs> and I pass out on the couch, and then I wake up and it's 1:30 a.m. I'm like, oh my goodness, I forgot to post. So I try to post something real quick, but. But I've tried to stay on top of it, and I haven't missed a day. I've had some where I've posted after midnight, so technically it wasn't on the day, but uh, you know, a couple hours late. So I think, I we'll think that's all right. <laughs> all right, so let's get into it. We got Syracuse last week. Uh, you know, I, I think we started off. Well, to start it off, I think Cuse is better than they have been. Uh, in my opinion, the previous years they've been ravaged by. Like they played their six string quarterback one year, they were just awful. Uh, Dungey's good. Their Franklin, their linebacker is fantastic. I mean, I think they're going to beat a few people. I think they're better. I think that system's good. And to see us come out and start out nineteen three, I was happy by that. I was, you know, st- as the week went on, I started getting worried about a letdown game. You know, sandwiched in between Florida State and Louisville, you just a team that can score like that. I, just, I was really just concerned. But they seemed to be mentally focused. What so was good? I think the big, I think the big key with with the team this year is just all the senior leadership. Uh, I think that showed, you know, with with uh, BJ Hill right after the Florida State game, how yeah. you know you saw the clips online where we ain't done yet, we ain't done yet. So I think this team is just different than a lot of the teams we've had recently, and just that senior leadership is not going to let something like that happen. Yeah, I, that's exactly right. I saw that clip and I was like, hopefully they take that to heart. You know, people always say things like that, but they, do they actually listen to it? And then for them to come out and you know, play like they did, especially in the first half, it really you know, made, 
made me feel good or you know confident about that there's a possibility they're actually focused I think that's probably the hardest part of Dave Dorn's job this year yeah you know for the most part though the ran the ball well I think that was probably the, the game plan going in it was against that kind of offense you just need to control it you need to you score but you need to do it in a way that doesn't give them the ball doesn't give them that many chances because they can they're going to throw it a lot and they're going to score fast you know so I think that was one of those things that between Hines getting his first 100 yard game J-Sam doing J-Sam things 70 something yards rushing touchdown and Glaspie's touchdown I, I was happy with that. I was happy with the game plan. My question for you is, and I saw a lot of the people on Twitter who were dogging Coach Drink about the play calling, and it's been you know a couple weeks now where people are like, "What is he doing? How are you? How do you feel about the play calling in that game?" And then overall, I think the first half play calling, I you know I don't think you can um, have anything really to complain with that first half. I mean, we were. Um, moving the ball well, um, mixing up pass and run. Had a couple trick plays in there that worked. Um, you know, I, I was real pleased with the first half. The, I love the, the the trick play throw to Finley. Um, yeah. I mean, that was just I, – I didn't see that coming from – you know, never saw that coming, and, and obviously the play worked real well. Um, the, the problem I, I've had with the play calling is I think we – when we get inside the red zone, we lose all creativity. We get really safe and so predictable. Um, or we try to do something really, you know, we try try to outthink ourselves like that end around throw with uh, Jacoby Myers in the Florida State game from like the five or seven yard line. It just, uh, you know, when you're that close to the end zone, you know, you try to get too, too smart. And then you, you know, we ended up losing. I don't know. I, I, that was the play where he he got the intentional grounding. I think. Um, yeah. But I, I, I think when we're down there in the in the red zone, I think we need to be a little more creative. You know, a little more. Um, not we're just too predictable, and and I think that's why we we tend to stall out and have to settle for field goals. Um, this year was but, really strange with the lack of the J Sam play. I mean the. And I'm sure everybody knows what I'm talking about. The jet sweep where he comes tight across the line. He scored every time he touches the ball on that. And, and even if we're not goal line. And, and even if we're not gonna give it to him, he, he should be in there as a decoy or yeah, you know, right. if he's if he's in motion down at the goal line, they're gonna have two guys moving with him, two guys spying him, two they're they're gonna know where he is. So even if he's not gonna use to even if he's not gonna get the ball. Uh, you know, I think he should be in there. If it's a third, third and goal from inside the five, and he's not on the field, I'm just, you know, I, I'm looking at all the people around me, just like, what is going on? So, yeah, um, the guy just has a, a way of making plays. I meant to ask this to Dustin last week, and I'll ask it to you. When it's all said and done, do they put Jay Sam's number up in Carter Finley? I, I think you have to. I mean, I, I, I I'm the president of the J-Sam fan club. Uh, you know, he's, he's, he's one of my favorite players of all time. I mean, the, the, the dude is a baller. Um, I mean, he knows how to score. He's just, it, it, I mean, everything about him, he has, you know, all the intangibles. He, he's smart. He, he plays hard 
if somebody's trying to get a hit on him, it's like he never, knock on wood, I don't want to jinx anything, but he never takes a hard hit because he knows how to turn his body just enough to where he can wiggle off of it or he doesn't get, he doesn't take a pounding like some other guys do. And and just, you know, by the, by the end of his career, you know, he's going to be up there in the top of all the, all the record books. So uh, I, from if it, my opinion, I think his, his number's definitely going to be up there. I think you have to, uh, my opinion. I'm, I feel the same way. He's just one of those guys that you, you enjoy watching. And he's because he's a good football player. And he just does some things like, man, he shouldn't. He makes it look easy. Yeah, he makes it look too easy. <laughs> yeah, it does. It really does. How do you think about his NFL potential? Dustin and I were talking about this last week. I, I don't follow NFL that much. Um, yeah. I don't have time. And. Uh, the the style of play in the NFL just a little slow and boring for me. Uh, and plus, with all my traveling with football, Sundays are my day to spend time with the family and whatnot. Yeah. But uh, I, I don't know. I think if you're a team and you can't find a way to use them, then then there's something wrong. I, I think he there is a spot for him. Um, you know, just imagine him being on like the New England Patriots, somebody like Bill Belichick, right. being able to game plan and and find ways to use him, that'd be be scary for the rest of the NFL and fun to watch as, as an NC State fan. Uh, I just hope where, wherever he goes, he, he, he lands in a good place and uh, makes some noise in the NFL. I'd love to see that. I think it's the same thing with him coming out of high school, but it's like he's too small or he just doesn't fit. Or like, what is he? He's a football player. It's all that matters. He can yep. play. So. Yep. Well, it wasn't all roses in the Syracuse game. I thought Finley did not have a good day. Uh, you know, maybe I'm being a little bit too critical and whatnot, but he missed some open guys. He had guys wide open, and he just seemed to lock in on one receiver. I don't think he was nearly as sharp as he has been. Um, I think that was that's a concern. They need to get that straight. Uh, third quarter coming out. I, I don't know if they scored in the third quarter, kicked a field goal or whatever, but they just – all over the place, all over the place, and they weren't sustaining drives. It just things weren't clicking. I, I don't know how you feel, but for me, it's it seems like if we're winning at halftime, we come out flat. If we're losing at halftime, we come out stronger. I'm not sure why that is or what they're talking about in the locker room, but that's what it seems like. I well, I mean, I, uh, I've actually looked into this today, so I'll be real quick. But I'll go through all our third quarter drives this season. So, South Carolina, we had four third-quarter drives, five for 15 yards a punt, three for negative 20 yards a fumble, six for seven yards punt, three for seven punt. So, that's the South Carolina game when it was tied at halftime. So, Marshall, I think we were – I can't remember the score at halftime. We were leading, I think. Mm-hmm. We, had one, we had one drive in the third quarter. It was 13 for 70 yards and a touchdown. Took almost seven minutes off. Then Marshall had a long drive after that. So that was our only third-quarter drive there. Furman, we had that game in hand. But our first drive was still six for 28 yards and a punt. Then we had two short fields that we had off. I think we had a a pick six in the third quarter, and then we had two short fields, uh, four for 49 yards, a touchdown, two for 23 and a touchdown. Then the FSU game, three for two yards punt, 11 for 63 field goal, five for 31 and a punt. And then Syracuse was just abysmal. We had five for 14 a punt, three for three and a punt, three for six and a punt. So the third quarter has been a problem all season. Uh, If you take that Furman game out, we only have two scoring drives in the third quarter. Uh, 
all season. That is a you know that's a big uh, uh, that's a big issue that's going to need to be fixed going forward. And we'll get into it, I'm sure, when we start talking about Louisville. But we're not going to be able to come out and put up a, a, a zero in the third quarter on Thursday night if we want to win that game. So that's that's eye opening. I, I didn't think it was that awful. I knew it wasn't good, but man, that's that's something's got changed there. Not a huge fan. Yeah. Yeah, it's I I don't know and, and and I hate man I hate when people are talking about the fans not being in there and you know several you know there was one road game there and and a neutral field game but uh, you know I hate when everybody starts blaming the fans you know the the fans you know we're in there and we packed the, the stadiums for um, you know all the games and. You know, there's there's times where the team still comes out flat. So uh, I don't think you can point to the fans. You know, I may get some Twitter hate on this on this, but um, I think it's just too easy to point to that. You know, beginning of the third quarter when the fans aren't back in the stands uh, from from going out at halftime and 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 uh, point to that when it's been a systemic problem all season long. Um, you know, Thursday night I don't think that's going to be an issue. I think the stadium's <laughs> going to be jam packed and rocking. Um, but, but, you know, when you go to Carolina or when you go to Boston college or Wake Forest, there's plenty of other places that you play where there's not going to be a lot of people in the stands. It's going to be quiet in the third quarter and you still got to find ways to come out and do your job and, and put some points on the board. So I'm with you. I think that's a, that's a cop out. Anybody who says the flat third quarter performances because the fans aren't there, like get over it. That's not, that's not the issue. There's a, there's a deeper issue there. If you got if the guys can't get motivated because there's you know people out in the parking lot drinking, then you know there, there's a bigger problem. There's a bigger picture there that's not. That yeah, and I up. I hope it's I, I, I let, let me get this out. You know, I I, I took some shots at, at Coach Dorn last year. <laughs> um, you know, I just unpleased with bait. My my main problem you know, was how we performed in home games. And I think for us to take the, the program to the next level, we got to win, win more home games. And that's something he's struggled with doing. We've been, we've been better away from home than we've been at home. So that, I mean, that makes no sense. We should, we should be a better home team uh, than we've been. Um, but, <clears throat> um, you know, I just, I lost my train of thought here. Can you edit this out? <laughs> you're fine. No, like if I, not, I you leave it in. But um, no, no, I get it. You're you're right. It's it's something that's really strange. I don't know why it is. I think it bodes well for the future if he can turn it around and you know start winning these home games and getting them motivated for it. But he's got to recognize that and change the routine. You know, do something different. Uh, I think that's. I, I really that's like Coach Dorn. I think he's. I think he's a. a a good, great guy. The players love him. I've, I've talked with several, um, several of the player, uh, players, parents. Uh, I've, I've had a couple uh, opportunities to talk with, with Jay Sam's dad. Uh, I know BJ Hill's dad real well, uh, fellow Stanley County guy. Um, and, and they, I mean, they just rave about coach Dorn and the way he handles the program, the way he deals with the players. And one of the times I talked with Jason, getting a little off topic here, but, one of the times last year, I talked to Jay Sam's dad out in the parking lot before one of the games. It was the week after we played ECU, and I was I was not happy with that performance. Um, and, and his dad, you know, Jay Sam's dad was just like, 
Coach Dorn's a guy. He's he's got these guys ready. He's we're gonna figure it out. So, you know, they they all love him. They all play hard for him. That's you know, minus the Louisville game last year, which we'll get into here in a little bit, I'm sure. The guys play hard for him. So uh, I, I like Dorn. I, I think if you if you didn't know he was from Kansas, you you could be mistaken that he's always grown up an NC State fan from from the state of North Carolina. You know, he loves to fish, loves to drink beer. I mean, he's he's an, as NC State as it gets. So um, I, I've been a I've I've long been a supporter because uh, a lot of people were quick to jump off the bandwagon, and I kind of got a little little hasty in my uh, dislike there through that stretch last year where we, we lost the four games in a row, which was really tough. But um, getting back to the point, I, I remember what I was talking about now. Getting back to the point, I, I don't know if it's a, a problem with halftime adjustments. And that, that's another thing that I've always not felt great about with Doran is like his in-game coaching, X's and O's, making adjustments. It seems like somebody like Jimbo, he goes in at halftime, and, man, they come out in the third quarter, and they're a lot better team. And and it, it just feels like when we go into halftime, we come out in the third quarter, and you know we can we could we could look great in the first half like we did this past week against Syracuse, and then we come out in the third quarter, and it's like we're it's a totally different team. Like the team that played in the first half got on the bus, went went you know went out partying or you know went went home, and we got some you know some you know just fill-ins that. It's 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 crazy how how we come out so flat in the third quarter, and it's it's been happening all year. So uh, hopefully that's something that they can pinpoint, they can look at, figure out what's going on, uh, and get it fixed because uh, we're going to need to to do better in the third quarter going forward. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I'll answer all those points. I, I'm the same same boat. I think Dave Dorn is a great represent, representative of NC State. I think he does. He's doing it the right way. I'm not sure people were aware how bad we were when he got here. So I think there's kind of a disconnect on how quickly people discarded him or were ready to discard him. And I was one of them too. I got frustrated just like you did. And the more I think about it, and the more like you take a step back, like he's doing the right things and he's showing the progress. But he's got to you know got to take it to the next level. And, I think he's learned on the job, but I think he can do it. So that's what I'm hoping for. Um, I forgot what the other point you said was. Just about third uh, halftime adjustments. Yeah, I, I think the same. Oh, yeah, so about his coaching style. I think we've we've talked about it before. He's he, he's a notable like manager, so he's not the guy that's going to make those adjustments, I don't think. I think he relies on his assistants to do that coaching during the game and I would assume during halftime. But as the the manager, the overseer, the CEO, whatever you want to call him, he needs to you know, force that change. He needs to recognize that pattern and change it. So that, something's got to change there for them to be successful. You don't do that against Louisville, like you said, and come out and successfully. I think that's just asking for trouble. I agree. Speaking of Louisville – Cards favored by three. The line opened at it's actually moved to four, and I've seen four and a half. So the money is getting put on Louisville. What do you know about Louisville, and how do you feel about going to this game? Well, I, I think Louisville is overrated, and I'm going to say that with a caveat: everything other than Lamar Jackson. 
I think their team is not very good, but he is just a, a very – I mean, he's extremely good and so – I mean, scary, scary good. Uh, and so he makes them from a below-average team to, you know, a top 25 team. So, um, you know, I, I'm real worried about Thursday night. I, uh, I, I felt coming into the season – uh, and and each week I, f- I felt better going in a South Carolina game, uh, which obviously didn't turn out good. But um, I, and I felt better honestly going into Florida State game than I do about Thursday night. Uh, I think it's going to be uh, you know these running these mobile running quarterbacks give us absolute fits. And uh, you know I <laughs> I was one of the few that uh, that did travel up to Louisville last year, and that was pretty bad. I think it was 44 nothing at halftime and uh I mean that game was over in the first quarter. I think the the yards in the first quarter Louisville had 244 yards and and we had negative 1. So uh I don't know how that, that was it was it was it was painful to watch. Um, I'm with you Lamar Jackson terrifies me. I mean, we, we typically play okay against Louisville. And I go back to, I think it was Lamar Jackson's freshman year. When we had them beat, I mean, we were playing better than them. And he just broke a couple runs and it's like, all right, this guy's going to be good. But Yeah, he had, I, he, I, had that 80, he had that 80-yard run, right? Yep. And he had an 80-yarder and a 50-yarder or something like that, and it just yeah. crushed us. And we, that was a game. Pretty good. Yeah. yeah, we that that day we outplayed. And that was the I think that was a game that Jamichael Ramos had that long catch, and then yep. they they tackled him and fumbled it at the 10, 15 yard line, which was a huge uh, turn of point of that game. Uh, that and Lamar's eighty yard touchdown run. But I thought, yeah, we we outplayed him that game. The year the year before that at Louisville uh, was when we had several guys suspended from the BB gun incident. And we outplayed them that game, I thought, minus yep. that one receiver they had who went crazy on us. Um, so that's why I went. I decided to go to the game last year before the season. I was like, well, should I go to Clemson or Louisville? I feel better about actually having a chance to beat Louisville, so that's why I picked that one. And, man, <laughs> I'm sitting there watching that in the first quarter, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. I, <laughs> what am I going to do? Because I'm not going to sit here and watch this. Because this, it was – I hate leaving games early, but I left at halftime and went and – toward the Louisville Slugger Museum. Uh, it was pretty bad. <laughs> it's a much better use of time. <laughs> I don't know what it is about running quarterbacks. It just they they seem no matter what defense it is, no matter what coach it is, we never perform well against them or we never seem to be able to contain them at all. I mean it happened last week with Dungey and he's not even a runner. I mean he's their best runner, but he's not a runner. And he just extended drives by getting out of the pocket and running for 10, 15 yards at a time. You're like tackle the guy you know contain him spy him do something i'm not sure it's just a consistent pattern again running quarterbacks can we go back to syracuse real quick i I have a question for you i have a question for you i I was sitting there watching the game every time they ran they gave the ball to a running back i was cheering why 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 did they even try to run against us i have no idea I mean, I my been able to run all year. I think it's just one of those things you got to keep trying. But it was bad against. I mean, you don't try that against the interior of our line. That's our strength. They weren't even yeah. running to the outside or being creative. They were trying to go up the gut. And 
I don't know, keeping us honest or something. But at some point we were just uh, we were rushing three and they still couldn't run the ball. Yeah, maybe this is my video game mentality. But if I was them, and, and I think Dino Baver is a good coach, and they're going to give us fits down the road. But I would have just had four receivers the whole game, and my running game would have just been designed scrambles with Dungy. Oh, absolutely. Because whenever they handed it off to running back, especially number 36 or whatever the big boy they had, I mean, he wasn't doing anything. (laughs) He was huge, but he wasn't going anywhere. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not sure what what their game plan was there. And I agree with you, Dino Babers. I think he's a fantastic coach. I don't think he's going to be at Syracuse long enough for them to give us fits. So I'm I'm counting on that one. Good point, good point. Yeah, I think someone else Texas school is going to come come and grab him. Um, what else? What else I have on here? All right, back to Louisville. Yeah, back to Louisville. <laughs> uh, I I don't think their lines are very good. I think we have an opportunity to to disrupt them there. The only thing we have to do is contain Lamar Jackson. You know, similar to what Clemson did, is just cause chaos up front and make him beat you every play. And like he's a kind yeah. of guy that can do it. But you have to make him do it because they don't have the other guys that can that can take over a game like that. So I think we, if we can win, it's going to be on the lines. I agree, and here here's some stats to back that up. So <clears throat> they've uh, they've only played three Power Five teams this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they played Purdue, Carolina, and Clemson. They they uh, they beat Purdue and Carolina. Purdue had. 51 yards rushing. Carolina only had 17 yards rushing. But Clemson beat Clemson beat them. They had 297 yards rushing. So I think we're going to def, we're going to have to be able to run the ball against them to be able to win. Um, last year we had 25 carries for 14 yards in that game, a .6 average. So that's gonna that's gonna be a key. Uh, but I think with with Lamar Jackson, if you look at their last uh, the last two years, they've lost five games. They lost uh, Clemson, Houston, Kentucky, and LSU last year, and then Clemson again this year. If you look at their sacks and tackles for loss, Clemson last year had five sacks, ten tackles for loss. Houston, 11 sacks. 11 sacks. That was that Thursday night game. I mean, they were just in Lamar Jackson's face nonstop. And that's what you have to do. You have to make him just uncomfortable, where every time he drops back, if he's comfortable, then that's when he just tucks it and runs and, and makes crazy things happen. But if you're hitting him 11 times, you know, he's he every time he drops back, he's just scared He's where he's going to get hit. He's not thinking about making big plays. Look again at Kentucky, three sacks, eight tackles for loss. LSU in the bowl game, eight sacks, uh, ten tackles for loss. Clemson this year, five sacks, seven tackles for loss. So one of the big keys is going to be to get in his face Chubb, Street, Roseboro, you know, Jones, Hill. Uh, we may need to bring some blitzes. I don't know, but we got to get in the backfield, and we cannot let him get comfortable back there. We need to hit him and hit him often. That's going to be um, that's that's going to be one of the one of the big big uh, uh, big deals um, if we want to pull right. this win out. Mike, I've been I've been talking about this all year. And my concern with that, like everybody knows that's the game plan, but Huxtable loves to sit back in his base defense and not do those sorts of things. 
And that just drives me crazy because you know you have to hit him. Like, bring an extra guy if you have to. Like, do something to put the pressure on him. And he just constantly sits back in that you know, base defense and tries to get him off schedule. That's what he does. Yeah, we, we run the, the – we run the – I mean, if – if Ben but don't break defense was in the dictionary, Huck Spool's picture would be beside it because that's his defensive philosophy. He's going to let you get three. He's going to let you get five. He's going to let you get four. He's going to let you get seven. He just don't want to give up the the big one, which, w- let's be honest, I mean, we've been better at that recently, but we still give up the big ones too. Yeah, I mean, we, yeah. I think we've given up a big play every game this year. Yeah, so absolutely. Um, I, I don't know. With our defensive philosophy – the way we just sit back and our corners are ten like ten yards off the receivers every single play. I mean, I don't know how we give up big plays. Yeah, but it still happens. So I don't know. You have to be careful bringing bringing a blitz against Lamar Jackson because if he beats it, then it's really going. It could really be bad. But we got to do something. We got to be uh, creative with our stunts, or we got to do something just to make him uncomfortable. Because uh, if he's if we let him get outside of the pocket too easy or if he's sitting back there all with all day to throw the ball, it's going to be a long night. Yeah, I I agree completely. I don't I don't understand wh- you know why that philosophy is one they've chosen to live or die with. I mean, if you watch a team like Clemson, you watch, you know, even Virginia Tech, Venables and Foster, those guys are fantastic defensive coordinators because they change it up. You know, they, nobody knows what's coming every play. It's it's completely different. And when you play us, like, it's extremely predictable. Unless they drop one of the guys back in zone, which they rarely do. But that's that's the only really difference that we've, we've shown, the different look. Every other time, it's the same look. And that's that, that's what I think. If if Dave Dorton goes down, he's dying on Huxtable's sword. I've been saying that all year. That's the the one area that I think he's really – kind of let go by him he's he's stuck by the big play philosophy or whatever you want to call it i'm not sure anyway we've got some twitter questions uh i think your crowd was doing a little twitter heckling (laughs) um first one is what is your favorite crowd participation at carter finley the wave beach balls are calling pack guest services on spans that's from your boy nick Oh, Nick's just trying to set me up for some uh, Twitter hate, some Twitter hate for my hot takes here. But uh, if you know me, there's three things that I absolutely hate. One of them's political, so we'll leave that off of this podcast. The other two are Tar Heels and the Wave. I hate the Wave more than anybody you know. I promise. So the Wave is definitely not the answer to that question. Uh, as for beach balls, there has been a a, a, uh, a time in Section 18 where there was a beach ball in there, and uh, the visiting team hit it, got too close to me. I kind of grabbed it and, and may have popped it. So uh, beach balls probably ain't a good answer either. So um, the call and pack services, that that's kind of an inside joke. Nick's trying to um, uh, get me to reveal a little too much, so I'll just uh, leave that one as it is, but. Yeah, Nick's right. Nick's trying to set me up for something there. That's not surprising at all. <laughs> uh, wait until next year. Ask how do you see the matchup with our DBs versus Louisville wide receivers going? Uh, well, uh, I think it's going to be a long night. I mean, Jackson, he's a he's a running guy, but he can still throw. I mean, um, 
I think he's a, a little bit better throwing the ball than he was last year. I mean, he's putting up crazy numbers, you know, even even throwing the ball. So, um, I don't know. We're going to have to – hopefully if we can get some pressure um, on Lamar Jackson, um, you know, our DBs won't have to cover as long. I, I mean, I, I, think, I think this game Thursday night is going to be a shootout. I don't know that we're going to have a lot of success against their DBs. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't think we're going to have a lot of – our DBs are going to have a lot of success against their wide receivers. Uh, we haven't done it much all year. Um, you know, we're playing a, a, a first-year first DB uh, senior. Um, we're playing uh, McLeod, who's a true sophomore, I think. And and then we got Mike Stevens, who's I don't know if he's it doesn't appear he's quite a hundred percent yet. So um, I mean I don't have a, a warm and fuzzy about our DBs. <laughs> I don't think anybody does, and I don't think anybody should. What's Mike crazy Stevens is that the one that gave up that deep ball you mentioned. Yeah, what's crazy? Austin looks so bad at times, and then the the pick against South Carolina, he's perfect cover. He's with the guy step for step, perfect coverage, and the pick. Uh, he had a pick this week against Syracuse, right? Syracuse, yep. I mean, so he has flashes, but then there's other times where he's just like he missed the tackle on the on the Marshall touchdown that went seventy some odd yards, and that was a really bad missed tackle. And then Tim uh, Kid Glass took a terrible angle and whiffed on, you know, on uh, you know the the coverage there, you know, backing him up there, but. I don't know. I don't have a warm fuzzy on the DBs for sure. Yeah, I don't think anybody should. Um, who's this one? I'd like to get Dave's thoughts on Jerry Fernandez versus Louisville's screen and quick pass game. Uh, Jerry Fernandez. <laughs> I Honest question. I don't know why. I, he's been a great player for us, and I'm not knocking the kid. He, you know. I don't know why he's playing over Arius Moore. It seems like Fernandez and Pratt are getting all the snaps, and Moore is hardly playing. And I and I still think Moore is our best linebacker. So I don't I don't understand why. Uh, you know, I'm not a football coach. I don't know, you know, what we're trying to do scheme wise and all that. But Fernandez has trouble covering receivers, uh, in, in a slot. So I don't know why we keep making him do that. Um, Pratt's a former safety. I don't know why. I mean, we've seen him as a safety. His his weakness is covering people, so maybe that's why we don't have him um, covering the slot guys. But it just seems like Arius Moore doesn't play enough. I mean, Pro Football Focus rate rate you know rated him as you know one of the top linebackers in the ACC last year. So I just it's crazy to me that he's not getting more more playing time. Um, I thought that was strange too. I thought it's 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 very noticeable from last year. He and Fernandez played every snap, and now Pratt's taking Arius Moore's snaps. I mean, I thought that was a little strange, but I, you never know what the what the coaches are thinking. I, I just think I'm with you. I think that's really weird. I'm not sure why that. I'm not sure why that is. Regarding Pratt and also with Alston, I think both those guys have the ability to play those positions and to cover, but. They just don't have the experience because they're they're 
new at those positions. I mean, Austin's a senior, but he's never played DB before. And, you know, Pratt is a great athlete, but he's never played linebacker before. So I think it's, you know, probably an experience thing why those guys aren't covering as well as they should be or as, as well as we want them to, to cover, I guess. Yeah, and I think, I think when they do, specifically Austin, you know, when he does show the flashes, we forget. I, I'm pretty sure he was – wasn't he a four-star coming out of high school? Yeah, yeah I think so. So, I mean, he's – He's got the talent. I, it, it's kind of crazy that we didn't make him a DB from the get-go. I, I can't remember back what you know if we had depth chart issues at wide receiver or whatnot. But I think if he'd have been a, a DB since his freshman year, he'd probably be a really good DB right now. Uh, but it's hard to throw throw somebody in, you know, a, a redshirt year and then throw him in as you know as a senior and have him in a totally different position and one like cornerback, which is not easy. I mean, you're one on one. I mean. That's a tough position, and to throw him in like that, you know that it's not it's it's tough. Yeah, I, you're you're right. You're on it. I mean, I think he's he's by himself, and I think that's the hardest part about a new DB in that situation. And I, I remember when he got recruited, the part was everybody wanted to play to play defensive back, and you know it was down to us in Carolina, maybe somebody else. And the other two schools wanted him to play defense, and he wanted a shot at offense. I think that was part of it. I guess it, you know, didn't take, didn't have the best hands. I'm not sure what it is there, but he seems to have the ability to play defensive back. He just, like you said, doesn't have the experience. Yep. All right, moving on. Oh, how, let's let's uh, conclude Louisville. You don't have a great feeling about it. I don't have a great feeling about it. What are you thinking uh, ends up happening? Well, I think uh, Barstool Pack tweeted this out today. Thursday is going to be a full moon. Thursday night's going to be a full moon. So when has the NC State lost a home night game with a full moon? I mean, I, so our listeners can do the research, but I, I'm going to say that's never happened. So uh, I don't feel good about the, the Cardinals. But I'm not coming on a, on maybe my only ever podcast appearance and picking against NC State. So I'm going to go, I think, NC State 42, Louisville 41. I love it. I love the prediction. It's definitely going to be one of those high-scoring games, probably one of those stupid games that things happen that you don't expect to. I think, if, from my opinion, if the pack doesn't turn it over, they keep on the the ball control mentality – I think we have a good chance of winning there. I think you hit on something there. I think we're going to have to be able to run the ball. I mentioned it earlier, but we're going to have to be able to run the ball, control some clock, and shorten the game, keep the ball out of Lamar Jackson's hands as much as possible. We can't just go three and out and give it right back to him. If we do that, it's it could get ugly quick like last year. Uh, yes. So we're going to have to be able to run the ball. I think one other thing I wanted to mention, I think we we're going to have to be able to – be prepared to handle some adversity. Uh, you know, the last two games have been – we've been leading the whole game, never trailing. They've been relatively um, adversity-free minus – you know, the, we, we had a little bit of adversity there at the end, Florida State with the botch snap and the block punt, and we handled that well. But you look back to the South Carolina game, um, we give all – we you know, the opening kickoff, we handled that well, but then we spent the whole first half getting it back tied, and then – third quarter fell apart with the two turnovers and um I, I think there's going to be a huge jackson play 
there's going to be a we're, you know we're due for a turnover. We hadn't had one in a couple games, so there's going to be a turnover or a missed field goal. There's going to be a, a our kickoff coverage teams, our kickoff and punt coverage teams have been terrible. There's going to be some big special teams play. Something's going to happen, and our team's going to have to be able to 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 handle some adversity um, to to come out on top. I mean, it's not going to be a, an easy game. It's going to be a tough shootout, and we're going to have to be be ready to play. We can't get down if we get behind by a score or two. We're going to have to just keep keep fighting. Our kick coverage has been awful. That's a great point. That's, that's and, and going. Reason. I don't know. Going back, you you had this in the notes and you and you didn't talk about it, but I, I, with Bambard, oh, it, it seems yeah. like it seems like he just doesn't have the leg to get it to the end zone. If you look in the Syracuse game, we were kicking it into the end zone the first quarter, but we had to win behind our back. If you look at every other game, he it's like he can't get it to the end zone. So that's why we're trying these sky kicks because we know if we, if we let him kick off, it's going to be it's going to land right at the goal line. So they're going to bring it out, and then we got to cover it. So that's why – I think that's why they're trying these sky kicks, just to give yeah. our, our guys more time to get down there. But our, our coverage teams have been abysmal, and it's – you know, it's already bit us in the South Carolina game. It almost bit us in the Florida State game. I mean, that's something they're going to have to figure out because it's going to cost us one of these one of these big games if we don't. I don't understand how we can't kick it out of the back of the end zone or kick it into the end zone. It's just, it seems very strange to be a scholarship kicker, and you know that you get it to the five is about as good as you can get. Yeah, I mean uh, it's not good. <laughs> no, and I, I put it out there uh, last week or during the game, and uh, Rob from Inside Pack Sports asked Dave Dorn the question for me. And I said, well, you know, what's up with those short kicks late in the second half? And the first one, he kicked it to the offense. They kicked it on purpose. This guy kicked to the offensive lineman. And, and that worked. Reason, yeah, yeah, for some reason they had yeah. an offensive lineman out there. The second one, Dave Doran said, "Yeah, we were trying to do the same thing, and Kyle miss hit it, and that was a big miss hit because they got the ball to fifty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He he was trying to kick it to the to the uh, like number forty five. He was a big guy, number forty five, who was standing on about the twenty twenty five yard line, and he yeah. kicked it to the. It was like a DB or a wide receiver. <laughs> it was like a an athlete." Who called it at like the thirty-five? So yeah, that was that was bad. We can't do that against Louisville. No, we absolutely cannot. I think they're, they're they have too much talent, too many athletes in the, in the skill positions for that kind of stuff. Uh, all right, moving on to some other stuff. Uh, I'll, I'll write it through pretty pretty quickly if I can. Um, Dustin's lock of the week last week was South Car- uh, Texas A&M minus nine in South Carolina. He lost that. South Carolina is not a bad team. They're getting beat up on the injuries, but they're playing everybody tight. Uh, we saw that. They played us tight. They beat us. But they're playing everybody else really close. Uh, I picked Virginia Tech plus seven against Clemson. That was more of a pipe dream because when you really needed it, <laughs> Virginia Tech looked lifeless. I don't know what it was. Maybe Clemson's that good, but I think Virginia Tech might probably be a tad bit overrated. You, you take a deeper look at their schedule, and they hadn't really played anybody, and you know, I don't know. They just they had no fight in them. I was embarrassed. It was similar to the state Louisville game last year. I just that's how it felt. Like they were just running scared. Yeah, they were they were real lucky that score wasn't a lot worse than yeah. it was because Clemson totally dominated that game. And I have a little bit of insight to Virginia Tech. My youngest brother works for the 
for the football team there. And he, he has not been, I, I, I've told you this uh, through some texts or Twitter messages, but he, he's been a little bit down on their team um, since they started fall camp. Uh, he, he, he thinks they're not quite as good as they were last year. They've been overrated. Um, they, they've had a, a pretty easy schedule so far. I mean, the one good, the one good team they played was West Virginia and they hung on for dear life there at the end of the game to, to, to eat that one out. But I, I don't, I think they're not very good on the offensive line. And I know a lot of Virginia tech people have been complaining about their play calling, but they couldn't do it. They had to throw those screens. They could, they, their offensive line is not very good. And they had no time to sit back there and try anything down the field. So, uh, not against that Clemson D line. So, yeah, I think uh, I think Virginia Tech's still good. Their defense is their defense played pretty good in the game. I thought they, to keep it as close as it was. But uh, yeah, I think they're a little overrated. A couple of the Hokie guys on Twitter were saying that Clemson won't be tested again. This was their last test. It's like they didn't get tested in this game. I don't <laughs> think it's their last test. I mean, Boston College played for, played Clemson tougher than Virginia Tech did. And it's no shot against Virginia Tech. They are a good team, but I don't think they're as good as people are making them out to be. That's my random Virginia Tech rant for the week there for Hokie Smash. Uh, <clears throat> Dustin wants to tweet out his lock of the week. I'm going with Marshall minus 14 at Charlotte. Charlotte's awful. Really, really oh, bad. They're... And I think Marshall's not too bad. So I think they'll win three touchdowns there. Do you have a lock of the week for us? Oh, well, I'd love to pick Notre Dame because I just hate Carolina, but I hate taking road favorites. Yes. Um, so. Notre Dame's favored hmm. by 16, for those that don't know, at Carolina. I don't know. There's several. I don't I don't feel great about these lines. I, 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 I prefer to bet home dogs and uh, – there's not there's none that really jump out at me. There's a few favorites, short favorites, uh, where the line seems crazy low. Florida minus three uh, against LSU. Uh, I don't know. That just seems like it should be higher than that because LSU has looked pretty bad the last two weeks. Um, uh, Syracuse minus four and a half against Pitt. I like that one. I mean – Syracuse had two tough games, uh, two tough road games, so they could be beat up. Um, so maybe Pitt has looked. I mean, they they won this past week pretty handily. At, they were playing some scrub team, um, but other than that, they have looked really bad. And I was worried about that game coming into the season, and that looks like a that should definitely be a win. It, it, you know, if we just go up there and take care of business, um, I don't know. I'll, I'll go with. I'll just go about I'll just go with Florida. I'll just go with Florida minus three. Uh, it's probably a bad pick, but um, until LSU does something to prove it, uh, I'll just I'll fade LSU. Well, that's a perfect segue for me. The Matt Canada watch everybody's favorite segment. Uh, Dustin's not here, but I'll fill in for him. LSU lost at home to Troy. Troy, <laughs> they lost at home to Troy. <laughs> LSU, the mighty SEC East, lost to Troy. Uh, 
That's all I can say about that. They had 400 and some yards of offense. They turned it over four times. They were 0 for 9 on third down. Not so good for Dustin's boy there. But I think that's kind of lines up with the SEC in general. I think they're poop. And we're going to probably continue to see that the rest of the year. They're just not that good. Speaking of not good, ECU minus four and a half at home versus Temple. And Miami plus one at FSU. I think Miami wins that game. I don't think FSU's going to squeak another one out there. Can we talk about how – I mean, uh, how – we get ECU last year, which we should have beat them. We (laughs) totally gave that game away. If we played them this year, I mean, we could score 70 on them. They are atrocious. I think me and you could score 70 on them. They're, they I are mean, so oh, bad. wow. They are so bad. They're, like, they have no fight in them either. You watched that South Florida game. I watched it for a little bit, and they just they looked terrible. They didn't care. Scotty Montgomery is not long for that job, I don't think. No, no I'm sure they're uh, – uh, I, I don't I don't have friend, you know, I don't have any friends that are ECU fans, um, but I'm – I can only imagine that they're not too happy with uh, uh, running Ruffin off uh, right now. Because Ruffin, that's one thing Ruffin did. His his teams played hard. They were, you know, they were always a tough game. Uh, even if we had the better team, they, you know, they that was always a tough game. And they, uh, you know, when you have, you know, when you have an alum, I, I, I do think it helps when you have an alum that has the passion that Ruffin had. Um, but yeah, I, I'm sure they wish they had Ruffin back. Oh, absolutely. Well, that's all I got, Dave. Thanks for joining us. Do you have anything else you want to leave the people with? Uh, no, just go pack. Go pack. All right, folks, we're here with Dave Skull. Follow him on Twitter. He's another. Uh, repeat guest, Dave, good friend of mine. Thanks for joining us again. He's a cards expert, a chef, a world-class skee-ball champion, and the meat pictures alone are worth following him on Twitter. Check, so check him out, Biggest Biscuit. Dave, thanks for joining me, man. You made that sound uh, kind of bad. That you got to specify what kind of meat pictures I'm putting on Twitter. <laughs> I'll leave that one up to their imagination. Oh. <laughs> uh, First off, Dave, I'm coming to Louisville next year. Put it on the yes. calendar. Will I leave in a meat coma? Yes, you will. Yes. Yeah, if you if you even if you even get to leave. <laughs> I love it. I'm looking forward to it already. I'm putting that one on and I will bring the bottle of brown. I think I still owe you. <laughs> Man, just show right, so me your present. I'm excited right. about it. That's right. Uh, so we'll keep this quick. It's getting late. I appreciate you joining us. Tell us about this Louisville team. What are the expectations this year with Lamar Jackson back? Is it still the same week five? You know, um, preseason, and it, it, Lamar has been everything I thought he would be. Uh, he's he's improved as a passer. You know, his decision-making in the last half of last year, you could tell he kind of lost. You saw him at his best when we played you guys. But after that, he kind of – you could tell he sort of – I don't want to say lost faith in his teammates, but you could tell he kind of felt like he needed to carry more of the load. 
and you saw him. He stopped checking down to his uh, his uh, tight ends and running backs. He uh, he stopped handing it off in the uh, in the read option and just just kind of took more of the load on himself. And then that combined with an underachieving offensive line, and he really had a, a struggle at the end of the season. But he really picked up as a passer in the offseason. You could tell he, he had quiet feet coming into the season. They worked on him under center a lot, but uh, kind of what his performance hasn't bothered me. Um, there's been a few kinks in the chinks in the arm in the offense. The offensive line has been much better. We have one of the best freshmen in the country playing left tackle, uh, three juniors starting, and another uh, redshirt freshman at, at center. Um, they've been playing fine. The push could be better in the run game, but uh, overall they've been keeping them pretty upright. I am a little confused with the play calling, to be honest with you. I never thought I'd say that with Bobby Petrino uh, calling the plays, but Bobby was always in, we like to call it Bobby 1.0 when he was here the first time. Uh, it was a really balanced attack. He was all about feeding the studs, you know. That was his mantra. Uh, we had a lead running back play, and it kind of kept the pressure off the quarterback. He was able to spread the field and, and you know, keep, keep the ball moving. Uh, with Lamar, it's almost like he feels like because he has Lamar, he has to use Lamar. You know, like instead of trying to run the ball more with our running backs and get some of the pressure off Lamar's shoulders, um, we've been seeing just a really weird um, array of plays. Like if you watch the Clemson game, early on um, – we were running the ball pretty well with our running backs. The problem is he just wasn't giving it to him. We were averaging over six and a half yards a carry, but we only got eight touches by the running backs in the first half. Um, I mean, it's, it's really hard to go up against a defense like Clemson uh, when you're one-dimensional. And it's 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 something I've struggled with because Bobby's it's, it's very un – it's just not typical. It's atypical for him, and I feel like he's – He's almost overthinking it with Lamar, where he could he could run his classic offense and just have a whole other dimension uh, instead of trying to reinvent the wheel. So Lamar's playing great. The offense is a little up and down, but um, it's got more to do, I think, with the positions that our coaching staff is putting us in. So, you, <clears throat> folks, you won't get a quiet feet reference anywhere else than you get from Dave Skull. So that shows you the, the level of detail we're going to get into here. Um, yeah, I guess I'm like the old Denny Crum in every even though I guess probably aren't as familiar with Denny and in, in, in Raleigh, but he was familiar he was a famous post game. You ask him one question and he'd go for like forty five minutes. So if if I'm going off the rail, stop me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fantastic. Uh we don't get a whole lot of Louisville talk around here other than when Mark Enos threatens to eat a live animal on, on the radio. <laughs> Mark's my boy. That was that was hilarious to me. <laughs> that was a complete troll job. I mean, he's not wrong, but it was a complete troll job, and he loves to troll the state fans. He does. He does. Uh, he's a good guy. It's funny because he's like very mild mannered, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and like <then, that's> one thing. <laughs> but anyway, I promise he's a good dude. <laughs> the people have a vision of him like eating alive, like a rabbit or something. When, but when we make the playoff, he's just probably gonna eat a goldfish or something. Right, right. It'll be like, yeah, you know, <laughs> cockroach. Um, so biggest weaknesses on offense, right? You said the play calling hasn't been good. Offensive line's been sustainable. You know, what? what's missing from the Louisville game right now? I will say that um, 
it's getting better, but or the first couple of games we we didn't get a push in the under center run game. I thought it was changing by Clemson, but we didn't we we don't give the ball to the running backs enough to really prove that theory out. So if you have to point to one one weakness, it's really that we don't we don't have a balanced attack right now. I mean, most of our rushing our sustained rushing is is by Lamar. That's not to say that we don't have the talent to do it. Um, feels like Bobby's starting to push that way a little bit more. Maybe he's making the realization that you can't put it all on Lamar. It's not it's not feasible, uh, and it puts him in a bad situation. Uh, Malik Williams has been a decent runner for us this year. Uh, he's uh, he's he's been able to he's a churner, kind of like Bilal Powell was when he was here, and you saw what he can do in the NFL. Um, Colin Wilson or Colin Wilson as they've been calling him. Um, he uh, like I don't know how to pronounce it. I I, I thought it was Colin. But, you know, they're, they're coming out of left field with this Cole and stuff, so we'll go with Cole. Uh, he started to get some carries the last couple of weeks. He's looked pretty solid. Um, and Day Williams is back from injury. So they're starting to diversify the running game. Um, other than that, every once in a while we get we get the drops, and occasionally, again, the Clemson game, Lamar had a couple of throws early that were, were off. I think he was a little over-pumped, but uh, – Kind of the, the same theme from last year, where his receivers weren't really doing him any favors. Kind of, kind of came up. I guess the best way to put it is un, unbalanced attack uh, combined with sort of this downhill mentality, where if one things go, one thing goes wrong, you know, five things go wrong. So those are kind of the two things that if you guys get on us early on Thursday, I mean, it could be a, it could be a real problem for us. Defensively, what's how's Louisville been? Like they, I don't think they've been challenged that much other outside of Clemson, obviously. But what is Louisville doing defensively? <laughs> it's been it's been rough to watch because essentially the the consensus in the fan base, and I agree with it completely. At the end of last year, was that Todd Grantham needed to go. You know, we heard from years from Georgia fans the third and Grantham talk uh, that he couldn't get fields or teams off the field and, and just didn't matter. Like third and 15, third and 10 didn't matter. You couldn't get the teams off the field. We have enjoyed a statistically good defense under him. I think we were top 15 or top 20 all three years uh, in total yardage. But there was a theme that emerged that he could never get a stop when we needed it. You know, it, it, there was probably eight, maybe seven times last year that the defense had to have a stop, and he didn't provide it for us. And we lost three of those games, um, or two of those games. And Lamar bailed us out in the other ones. And there was games that we shouldn't have been that close in. Essentially, every single time we had to have a stop, we did one. So we got rid of Grantham, ended up bringing in Peter Sermon, who was completely um, unproven. He had one season as Mississippi State's D.C. We, we pulled off the uh, rare trade where Mississippi State took Todd Grantham and we took Peter Sermon. <laughs> so um, I don't know if Bobby saw something. He's generally pretty good with, with scouting talent with coaches. He gets them before you know they become stars. But as of right now, you're either in two camps with Peter Sermon. Either you're already over him or the jury's out on him still. I mean, we are we can't – the middle of the field has been wide open against every single opponent we faced except for Murray State. Um and to a degree, Kent State because they couldn't throw the ball. I mean, they just they they're completely inept in the passing game. So basically, if you've got a quality tight end, um, we're screwed. 
<laughs> I mean, that's essentially it. If you've got a slot receiver or a, a quality tight end that can work the middle of the field, it seems like it's always open, always. And if you have a halfway mobile quarterback, uh, you can take you can take advantage of us as well. So I I, I hate to to sound that way because we have a lot of talent on defense and there's a really good chance it could come together at some point, but. It felt against, especially against Clemson, which is saying a lot because, I mean, Clemson's probably the best team in the country. I have no problem saying that. Um, there were times where it was jailbreak route. You know, they were open by 20 yards. And that, that for me, indicates bad coaching, especially with uh, with the type of defense we expected to have this year. Um, but I, it, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that uh, we've been without our uh, number one corner all year Jair Alexander who is a first round draft pick and one of the probably three or four best cover corners in the country so that's put a lot of a lot of stress on our defense overall uh, Tremaine Washington who's better in uh, within 10 to 15 yards of the uh, line of scrimmage you know is covering the slot jamming guys the line he's been our our number two corner and it just hasn't hasn't worked out well for us um there's rumors that Jair might be ready for this Thursday, but I wouldn't count on it. If he does, it's huge for us. Um, best players on defense. Uh, Drew Bailey's really good on the inside. We were expecting big things from the pass rush. We had uh, mm. Trevion Young and James Hearns back from back from uh, Trevion Young's back from injury. He had a devastating injury at the end of 20, uh, 2015 season, and he's just not coming back. Um, Really expected to have a huge push from them, and they've been good off and on. Hearns has been great against the run, but we haven't really been getting that push that we expected to have from the outside. And uh, linebacking core, uh, Stacey Thomas is excellent. Kane Pass has his moments. And uh, safeties, we still have Chucky, who I think I told you last year was, uh, you know, you're going to die or you're going to score. So he's, he's still back He's still back there. But Jair is a real game changer for us. I mean, he had two picks in a – forced fumble last year against Clemson. He's the type of guy that you'll see playing in the NFL 10, 15 years from now, or 10 to 12 years from now. So, All right. <clears throat> That's a comprehensive breakdown of Louisville defense. Ask one question. I'm just going to keep talking because my brain just – it's been it's been a hell of a week the last week in the city of Louisville, and I've been on the, on the radio late night, and it's just kind of – you know, you ask me a question, and I'll just fill the airwaves. <laughs> I love it. It makes my job easy. All right, so here's another one. Here's a softball for you. Most people see us on the schedule and chalk it up as a W. Right or wrong, we haven't proved otherwise. Louisville's favored by four now. Money line's moving that way. What's the general feeling from the fan base about your about this game? I tell you what, man, uh, preseason, you were circled as, as a trap game for us. I mean, that was when – most people had us picked uh, second or third in the division, and you guys were a solid fourth. Although there was plenty of people that were picking you second or third. Um, I told you last year I thought you had the coach you needed in Doran, um, and I still believe that. Impressive, even with um, Francois' injury to go down to Tallahassee and win, win there. I mean, it's a huge win, even with a uh, toothpick plant quarterback. Um <laughs> I mean, how's that kid going to last all season? That's the real question. <laughs> offensive lines. They are offensive. I know, right? They are so the only one, the only offensive line last year that might have been worse than ours in the end of the season was there. But, um, 
Yeah, man, you were picked as a as a trap game. I didn't even call you when we did our pre pre uh, preseason, you know, questionnaire and kind of talked about our feelings about the season. I didn't pick you guys as a trap game because I thought it's unfair to call it a trap game if you're legitimately a good team. You know, I, I, I circled North Carolina as our possible trap game because I thought they were an average team that we were going into a rough situation on the road. But, uh, no, I think it's going to be a battle, man, and it all depends on which teams. Because I think we're both susceptible to playing worse than we are, essentially. So it really depends on which team shows up. Is it going to be the NC State that went into Tallahassee and won, or is it going to be the one that barely – barely pulled it off against Syracuse. I mean, is it going to be the Louisville team we thought we had with a monster at quarterback and a decent defense, or is it going to be the one that uh, almost let Purdue and North Carolina beat them and barely showed up against Clemson? So, I don't know. We'll see. It's going to be one of those weird games. I think we always play you guys close outside of last year, obviously, but right. even the Lamar Jackson's freshman year, I think it, you guys came to Raleigh and – we, I thought we played really well, and then he just, you know, broke a couple long runs, and and that was the game for you guys. But I think historically we play you pretty close, other outside of the one. So, yeah, I feel like this one, you know, if we're mentally focused, we have a good chance. Um, you know, I don't feel comfortable because we've never been able to stop a mobile quarterback, let alone yeah. a Heisman winning mobile quarterback. Uh, but, you know, I'm with you. I think it kind of depends on which team for us shows up and then which team for y'all shows up. I think that we'll both bring the – I expect a good effort from both of them. So we should see something interesting. You know, probably a high-scoring game, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I'm interested to see because early on, to bring up Clemson again, it felt like running into their strength was the way to go about it because people don't normally do that. I mean, we – when we ran the ball, we were successful. When we tried to rely on, rely on the throw, I mean, Lamar was a little was a little happy, you know, a little little excited, a little happy feet, and overthrew a couple guys, and then he didn't. Nobody made a play on a ball either. So, I feel like we need to we need to run into your strength early and try to establish ourselves, uh, which is obviously your defensive front. I mean, you guys got NFL got NFL players up and down that line, and. Um, I mean that's what we need to do. Get a little, try to get a little push and and take some of the pressure off Lamar, so we can try to pick us, pick y'all apart on the outside. But I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what who shows up. I feel even though we didn't get, you're not going to learn much from playing Kent State and Murray State. I felt like I saw some things that I I liked out of the offense. You know, Bobby started going more to Travion Samuel, who's um, incredibly fast, uh, kind of hybrid uh, receiver running back. Uh, when he gets the ball in space, he is really fun to watch. And, of course, we have our Swiss Army knife, Reggie Bonifan, who uh, was a quarterback this year. Yeah, he's still here. If he was a quarterback, beat Notre, beat Notre Dame as a freshman at quarterback, and he's been a receiver the last two years. And this year they had him at the top of the depth chart of running back because we had injuries. But uh, he's kind of been used all over the field. He's one of those guys who I think the best description of him that I've heard is that he's the second best player at every position on the field. So it's kind of it's kind of where you don't necessarily know how to use him. But I think Bobby's getting getting better at it. So I don't know what to expect this Thursday, man. I think it's going to be a battle. I like to think that we're going to win, but it's I'm not. You know what I mean? I'm not super confident overlooking you all at all. I think you got a good squad. I don't think anybody's super confident. I think that's just one of those things that comes with this game. I don't know what to think about this game. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, I think that's historically how we approach games is, you know, state fans shouldn't be confident because we hadn't done it consistently before. You know, Louisville's got a Heisman Trophy. You guys got nothing to worry about, man. This should be easy. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. But it's it's always fun to watch Lamar. And, I, I mean, I'm – I'm kind of taking the approach right now since that Clemson game was so disappointing. I don't, we could still go 11 and 1. I'm not, you know, I'm not disappointed by losing to Clemson, just the manner in which we did. We try to appreciate what we have, you know, and, and just sort of say, let's, let's just really enjoy watching Lamar play football for the next seven games, you know, and, and, and maybe more. And, uh, we'll see next year if he's back or if he's ready to go, but, Either way, you know, just he's a generational player, and it's really just kind of kind of soak it in. What are, you guys what are get NFL see prospects? I I think that if you look at the the improvement between freshman and sophomore year, and then subsequently his improvement between sophomore and junior year, he clearly has physical tools that nobody else in the game has ever had. That 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 combination is just it's unreal. The way he moves his body, it's like it doesn't seem like it should be biologically possible. You know, it's it's unreal. But his 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 uh, maturation as a passer and and as the mental on the mental side of the game as well has shown me that he has the ability to learn and accept coaching, and he's he's very good at it. I mean, I don't see how anybody can write him off as an NFL quarterback after watching the level of improvement each year. And uh, essentially most scouts are kind of coming around on that where they're like, well, they have to look in the mirror and ask themselves why they're they're still putting Sam Darnold at the top of their, you know, their NFL prospects list when he's having mediocre performance after mediocre performance, but you refuse to just take what you're seeing with Lamar Jackson. Like, why is that? <laughs> so, yeah. uh, I mean, he's got – it's it's really hard for me to believe that you got a guy who's got arm talent like that and you're going to and I'm not saying he's polished Jim right now but he's made NFL throws like throws that you don't you don't see every day they're pro throws on a regular basis and he's got a cannon you you combine that with a 43 speed I, I, and the ability to literally stop on a dime. I don't know. I've never seen somebody be able to decelerate and accelerate like he can. So I think it would be foolish for people to try to just write off his career as an NFL quarterback at this point when he was he's only 20. You know, he just turned 20. So I – Does he go pro next year? He's got a bright future, and I think he's a quarterback in the NFL. And I have no idea if he'll be back next year or not. He talks like he wants to be back for his senior mm-hmm. year, but I'm not going to – you know, I'm not going to begrudge him anything. If he's pro- he's projected as a first round draft pick, you know, go get your money. So it's just nothing's guaranteed in football. I I, I wouldn't, you know, I almost wouldn't want him to come back if he if there was because he carries the ball so much. There's just you know the yeah. chance for injuries. Yeah, absolutely. So, I'm going to dovetail real quick. Clemson. I was just talking about this with my co-host a few minutes ago. Virginia Tech did not impress me. I think no. they were lifeless against Clemson, so I'm not sure what to think about Clemson. I mean, they look really, really good. But have they been – I mean, are they better than last year? Are they beatable? Are they unbeatable? Like, I don't know what to think about them. It's it's weird because I don't think you can judge our game against them either. Because, uh, right. 
we were kind of lifeless. Like in the second, and if you look at it in the third quarter, if you I don't know if you watched the game or not. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm assuming you did. You're a big football fan. Uh, but um, it was 19 to seven at the middle of the set. We got a big stop in the first series of the second half, and we got the ball back. Lamar breaks off a 68-yard run or 60-yard run and would have put us down at the 10-yard line going in. If we score there, it's 19. But there was a a legit um, blocking call. I forget what it was. Uh, I think uh, there was a cut block on the back end by the tight end. Had to be had to be called. Had to be called. Uh, but it was completely immaterial to the play. Pulled us all the way back to our own, like, 15. Two plays later, Lamar throws a pick six. So, you know, it's one of those things where the the game flipped from 19 to 14, or at the worst case scenario, 19 to 10, uh, to 26 to 7, and it was f- pretty much over at that point. I mean, it was a huge blow to the team, to the crowd. And from then on, it was just kind of Katie bar the door. Like, there was nothing for us to do to stop them. But um, I... I saw something that night with Kelly Bryant and the Clemson coaching staff called a brilliant game that really set him up to succeed, which is not something I could say about, in my opinion, our coaching staff that night. Um, but he was calm under pressure. It was really his first true road game as a starter, and he looked amazing. Uh, he's not, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say he's Deshaun Watson. He's a different type of quarterback. Uh, he's more of a runner than Deshaun was. Deshaun was more of a pocket passer who just happened to be able to run, you know, when he needed to. Phenomenal leader. Um, Kelly Bryant, I think, has some of the same uh, intangibles that Deshaun does, but just more of a running quarterback. Really more of a runner that happens to play quarterback, if that makes any sense. But he's a, he's a good player, man. And they have they have guys all over the field. they got dogs all over the field that help him out. I think they're legit. I think they're legit one of the best teams – I mean, the best team in the country. If they if they aren't, they're close number two to Bama. Um, Virginia Tech, I mean, I thought they would put up a better fight because I've, I've been impressed with Virginia Tech so far this year. Um Obviously not impressed Saturday night. Yeah, I'm a dog at Virginia Tech. My three Virginia Tech listeners are not going to like me after this week, but I, I didn't <laughs> think they looked good at all. And you go back and look at the schedule, and they played ODU, ECU, and I don't know, Jabroni U, Delaware maybe I think it was. I mean, they just hadn't played anybody. And you look at, oh, they played West Virginia, but West Virginia played the same schedule as ECU, Delaware State, and some other right. school. Right. You know, so I'm just not sure what to think about them. I thought they looked good at first, but Clemson made him look pedestrian. Yeah, but maybe that's just how good Clemson is, man. I mean, you just yeah. you don't. You don't I, I don't know if there's chinks in their armor right now. Dabo is recruiting at an incredibly high level, and they're not they're not rebuilding ever. It's just a reload every year. I mean, they put seven or eight guys in the NFL, and they come back with the same type of talent. So it might be time for us to recognize how good of a program Dabo's built there, as opposed to to just. I mean. I hate to say it, but last year might have been Louisville's best chance to beat. Yeah, and that was in Death Valley, and we really should have had that game. Yeah, <laughs> tell me about it. Us too. Three years we should have had that game. I mean, now I'm I not sure if we'll ever be secretly the best coach in the <laughs> ACC. That nobody talks about. Oh yeah, for sure. We talk I mean, about him, but not like what he's done. I mean, he's he's elevated Clemson to the next level. 
His name's Dabo. It's easy not to take him seriously. You know? <laughs> I guess that's what it is. Hard to take a dude named Dabo seriously. Yeah. But uh, I guess we have to. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I got one more for you, and I'll let you get out. On a scale of yeah. 1 to 10, 1 being the least, 10 being the most confident, Dave Skull rates his confidence level in Louisville winning this week as a... Oh, man. Uh, 6.5. Okay. Fair enough. I have a lot of respect for your team. I mean, that's that's where that comes from, and I'm I'm not completely sold on us as a as a top level team right now. Um, we have a transcendent talent, and that's why I put us at six point five. If we didn't, you know, I I I wouldn't be so confident, and I, I'd be remiss not to mention we do our top receiver is out for several weeks. Jalen Smith, he's phenomenal. But we do have Dez Fitzpatrick and Seth Dawkins who've been making a lot of noise this year. Uh, Dez is a freshman, and he's a he's a redshirt freshman. He's going to be an absolute stud in this league. So look out for number eighty-seven and number five. Awesome, Dave. I'm not going to ask you about basketball. I'm going to let that one. We'll get to there. You get. I've I've, told, I've I've answered so many questions about it. Right now, I'm just waiting for the dust to settle, and, and when I know something, you know, I'll let you know something. I'll bring it in. <laughs> When basketball season starts, so when it's it's more relevant for us right now, but good luck a little more this, that, that conversation. That can't be fun. <laughs> it's just, it's right. not, man. I don't even know. I, the only positive that's come out about it is that me and my boys have been getting a lot of radio run lately. So hopefully that into something. But we'll see. All right, <laughs> so it's so been like, my... dude, we've been taking phone right. straight nights last week. We were taking four phone calls past midnight. Oh, I mean, yeah, people just wanted to talk. <laughs> That's crazy. All right, so let my four listeners know where they can find you, where they can read you, where they can follow you. Give, give uh, I am at Biggest Biscuit. Uh, uh, I, I contribute at the Crunch Zone. Uh, we have a podcast weekly. Uh, obviously it's Louisville sports centric, but we're, uh, we're a couple of pretty funny guys. So you might, you might enjoy it, especially on game weeks like this. Um, also, uh, sometimes occasionally we're on ESPN 680 and 93.9 in Louisville. So shout out to those guys. Awesome. Dave Skull, my come, friend. All right. Just come do it. Come, come, come throw barbs at me. I'm, 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 I'm uh, easy, uh, Easy going, fun loving guy. So, <laughs> <laughs> do it, folks. He's worth the follow. <laughs> All right, buddy. I appreciate your time, man. I love you, buddy. Thanks for the call. See you soon. All right, go cards. <laughs> <laughs>